All right. So to get started, a couple things about me. My name is Jacob Woodward. Like Ryan said, if we've never met before, I'd love to meet you. Uh, I pretty much know a lot of you. Um, I've been going to Beach for about nine years now, and it started um, way back when I was a, a little kid in second grade. And when I got to fifth grade, Miss Vicky asked if I wanted to help lead worship in Promised Land. And I thought that was cool because I love doing the motions and I love Promised Land. So I started doing that. And then in sixth grade, they asked me if I wanted to, instead of going to big church where it was boring and I had to like sit there for a long time and just learn things, I could instead help lead a small group in Promised Land. And I was like, yeah, I'll do that. So I met Kylie and Nicole Garcia because they were some of the kids in my Promised Land group. And then in middle school, I started going to United but it was called Stoked at the time. I joined a small group. I started going to Epworth and all that fun stuff. Then in high school, I kept serving, and I would uh, be the host and greeter at United. I started to go to Epworth and Jamaica, and uh, eventually I joined Ryan's serve team, and I started teaching in Promised Lands on Sunday mornings. And then I graduated, and I continued to serve, and I became the sixth grade boys who are now seventh grade boys small group leader with Christian. And then Christian and I started uh, producing Promised Land Sunday morning. And then Christian and I were also the summer interns together this year. And so basically, I love serving with Christian. And um, shout out to him. Um, so I don't say all that to sound like a really good Christian because honestly, anyone can do any act of serving. You can teach anyone how to be a host and anyone to be a greeter, and I'm not downplaying those at all. Um, but there is another aspect to serving that transcends a service, and I'm not talking about serving at Beam or serving an Interact Club or anything like that. I'm talking about the way that you live your life outside of the church. And so uh, we're going to jump right in, and we're going to start in Romans 12. And so if you don't have a Bible... Please raise your hand, and Christian and Tripp, and maybe Ivan, whoever's back there, will help uh, hand out Bibles. And on that note, if you don't usually bring your Bible to United or a journal, I would encourage you to do that on a weekly basis, because you can write in your Bible, and you can write in your journal, and God's going to teach you cool things, and how are you going to learn those things if you don't write them down to remember them? So please bring Bibles, bring notes, it's for you to learn. All right, we're doing Romans 12, 1 through 8. Here we go. We're, we're just going to jump in. You can follow along on the screen. Uh, it's also the same. Oh, lights. That's what we needed. If you're, if you're in this Bible, the page number is 789. All right. Here we go. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone for you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us as one body with many members and with these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. 
If your gift is prophesying, then prophecy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. All right. So the first thing that we're going to talk about is early on in that scripture, it talks about giving our bodies as a true form of worship. And Ryan says it all the time when he's on stage. He says that worship is more than a song. Worship isn't just what we sing at the beginning, at the end of a service. Worship is a lifestyle. And worship is the way that you live outside after the songs end. And so this verse is saying that your true act of worship is by giving your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. And to me, the word living means action, and it means doing, and it means it's, it's up, it's breathing, and things are happening. And holy means that it's giving glory to God. So if your body is a living and holy sacrifice that is pleasing and perfect to God, then that means your faith should be active, and it should be giving God the glory. And so one of the first things that we're going to be talking about, about serving outside of church, is that sh- serving should be a lifestyle. Serving should be a lifestyle. And we, we talk about worship being a lifestyle. We talk about um, living an act of service outside of church that is more than just being a greeter when you walk in. And um, a living sacrifice sounds more like someone who goes out and is constantly looking for ways that they can serve people who wouldn't normally be served, in contrary to someone who just comes to church on Sunday reads a couple of verses, and then goes home and does nothing for anyone else. That, that feels and sounds like a very dead faith that doesn't offer anything back to the kingdom. But a living and holy sacrifice is reflected when serving is a lifestyle. And last week, Christian talked about um, the sermon that Eastman gave in North Jackson. He talked about losing a have-to attitude and getting a get-to attitude. So instead of saying, I have to go to school, or I have to go to work, or, oh man, I have to serve at church, or I have to go to church for that matter. Instead, we, we can say, I get to go to school, and I get to see what opportunities God has brought for me, and I get to go to work and see what opportunities God has for me. I get to serve at church. I get to go to church and learn and worship God, and it's awesome. And this verse talks about, don't let the world transform you, but let God transform you. And that's one of the ways that we can do it. The world wants you to have an it's-all-about-me serving attitude. It wants you to think that service is for you and that you benefit from serving. But what the Bible is saying is that when our lives are a living and holy sacrifice, where serving is our lifestyle, then we we can say, I get to do things. And it's no longer about us. It's about other people. And it's incredible things happen when... When you open your mind to let God transform it and transform your attitude, if you have, Abby told me this on the way here, my sister, she told me, fake it till you make it. If serving is really that hard for you to live as a lifestyle, then fake it. Say, oh yeah, I get to go to church, woo, because eventually you're going to start going to church and you're like, yeah, I get to go to church, let's do this, I get to serve, it's going to be awesome, because you've been saying it over and over again and you get to experience something that God has for you. Um... Something, something else that um, Eastman kind of remind, reminded me of about serving um, and in this verse is that it doesn't matter what your gift is. 
because we each have different gifts, and there's a reason for that. God gives us each a different gift so we can all do different things. And so if you don't know where to start serving and you don't know where your lifestyle of service should begin, start with what you're good at. If you're good at soccer, offer free soccer lessons to kids so that they can improve their skills and you can build relationships with kids and you can eventually change their eternities. If your skill is math, which is, seems like something that you can't really use to advance the kingdom because nobody likes math, so how would, ever, how would anyone go to church with math? But you can offer free tutoring to students, and you can use your skills to help students who are struggling. And then by helping them with math, you've now opened a door that says, wow, this person is really helpful and generous, and I want to know why they give their time to me. And then all of a sudden you have the all-you-can-eat buffet of evangelism and tell them about church and tell them about Jesus, and it's awesome. And so something that I struggled with for a really long time was I didn't know what God wanted me to do, and I didn't know how God wanted me to do it. And so I would sit there and I would pray for a really long time and I'd be like, God, I'll do it. Just tell me. Like, I just gotta, I gotta know first and then I'll go. Like, just tell me the plan and then I'll do it. What is it? And there would be long silences and I would hear nothing. And this verse is talking about serve first, live service as a lifestyle, and then we get to know and start to see what God's will and his plan for our life is. And God's plan is perfect and good. And so whatever you think your plan for your life is, kind of like Kylie talked about, whether you think you're going to go to FSU or you think you're going to go to UF or whatever you think that big step in the future may hold, God's plan is infinitely better for you than you could ever imagine for yourself. So when we serve, not only are we changing other eternities, but we're getting closer to God's eventual dream for our lives. And something... This, this serving as a lifestyle and living it out, it sounds super fun and it's great because we're like, oh, I get to know God's will for my life. I'm changing people's eternities. That sounds pretty easy. Um, but the, the second thing that we're going to talk about is that serving always has a cost. There's always a cost to serving no matter what you do. Um, serving always has a cost. And in 2 Samuel, you don't have to turn there, but in 2 Samuel 24... There is, um, there's a story where David has sinned, and David's the king over all of Israel, so when David sins, David isn't just punished, but all of Israel is, and a plague comes over Israel, and people are dying, they're sick, um, and things aren't looking good, and so God says to David, he says, go, build an altar, sacrifice, and ask for forgiveness, and I'll heal the land, and so David goes, and he asks his servant, hey, can I get some wood and some animals in order to build an altar and sacrifice to God. And uh, his servant says, oh, yeah, you're the king. Please, like, just take it for free. Here, just enjoy it. And it's funny because that's the same thing we do with, like, athletes and, like, movie stars and pop singers. Is It's all the people who can afford things suddenly get free food and free clothes and, like, free iPhone 6s, and they already have the new iPhone before it even comes out because they're famous, and for some reason we think they can't afford it. Um, but that, that's exactly what's happening here. He's getting the royal treatment, as, as I guess you would call it. And so um, David is offered all of this stuff for free, but he replies, no, I insist on paying for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that have cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 silver coins for them. Now, when I read that, 
um, I, I instantly thought, oh, serving is going to cost us money, apparently. Like, that, that's awesome. Like, I already struggle with money. Just add that to the list. But it's not just talking about money. Serving can cost you your time. Serving can cost you your patience. It can cost you money, yes. But it, it also costs your obedience and your reputation. Serving might not be the most desired thing at Fletcher High School. It might not be the most desired thing at Stanton or at AC or in your own homes. And so your reputation's on the line, your obedience on the line, and also your money and your time and your patience. There's always a cost to serving. Serving always has a cost. But then the next thing I thought about in this verse is I thought, 50 silver coins, that's it? He's probably wearing an outfit that's worth more than 50 silver coins. And he probably has an entire castle full of jewels and treasures that is way worth more than 50 silver coins. And so David, of course, willingly gives up these 50 coins because it's nothing to him. And then I I thought about serving should be a lifestyle again. And, And when we think I get to and not I have to, David got to spend 50 silver coins. He didn't have to. That's when the cost no longer seems as unbearable. So when we have the mentality that the cost of our obedience is always greater than the cost of our sacrifice, then the cost doesn't seem to matter anymore because God is always going to bless you more than what you give. So there's, it's really a win-win situation when you serve. Yeah, there's a cost, but when we live serving as a lifestyle, that cost is, is nothing. We, we don't have to pay anything. And Ryan and I started talking about, um, when we were getting ready for this week, uh, we were talking about um, Jake Tatum's Rise Up last week and how school is our mission field. And I remember being super pumped my senior year. I was like, yes, I'm going to go change Fletcher High School. And I don't know if any of you have been at Fletcher High School this week, but it's exactly the same, if not worse, as last year. And that's because serving wasn't my lifestyle. And I was playing a short game for short results. I was just going, and I was trying to get the invite to United. I was going, and I was trying to just change people's lives as quick as I could. And so by the third week of school, I was like, this is exhausting. And when's Epworth? I just, I need something more. I need more Jesus in my life so that I can somehow serve the rest of the year. And so something that I realized was we expect the seven or eight days of our mission trip to carry over to this month where there's nothing, and then to carry us all the way to the end of school. We think that the eight days that we barely could survive in Jamaica or in Albany because it's hot and it's gross and we're just exhausted, and every day we're like, Lord, give us the strength because I'm going to pass out. We think that somehow that is going to carry all the way to the end of June. Why? why? Why does that make any sense? We, we go to Jamaica or Albany or North Jacks or camp, and we have this incredible experience, and then we do nothing for a month. There's no quiet time. There's no prayer. There's no serving or doing what God has called us to do. And then school starts, and we're like, oh, yeah, I can do this. I got this. It's fine. And we start asking people, hey, do you want to come to United? And they're like, no, that's okay. And then you're like, um, hey, God, why aren't all these people as psyched as I am for you? And then week three, you're just like those other people, and you're like, oh, United, I have so much homework. I'd way rather stay and do six packets for geometry that I put off on summer reading than go to United, which makes no sense because none of you like homework, and I'm pretty sure you all like United. Um, so, so I started thinking, what do we do in Jamaica 
and what do we not do during the school year, and where's the disconnect? And, and the thing is, in Jamaica, every morning we wake up and we start our day with God. And then when we get to the location that we're going to serve, whether it's Perrytown or Mornique, we pray over that location. And then before every meal, we pray. And then we end the day with worship. And then for that month in between, we don't do anything. And so, of course, we don't feel as close to God as we did in Jamaica. And then when we start school, there's the distraction of school. And so, of course, that goes away. And so the difference is, for someone who doesn't start their day like they would in Jamaica, for someone who just wakes up, they brush their teeth real quick, they comb their hair, unless you do it Matt Moffat style and you just dunk your head in the pool and then kind of flip it around and then you jog to school because you don't want to ride for some reason. Um, then you get to school, you're exhausted, it's all about you, and you're like, I just want to get out of here. You know what, I'm probably going to skip third period. It'll be fine. You know what, I'm just going to skip the whole rest of the day. I'll just go to first today. And then you, you leave. And so, of course, God can't use you. You're not even there. You're not even at the mission field anymore. But someone who, who does what we do in Albany and Jamaica, and you start your day, and you wake up, and you're doing a devotional, or you're spending some sort of time with God in the morning, then when you get to school, you're, you're praying over your school and your day, and not just saying, dear God, help me to have a good day. Because what, what even is a good day at school? There, there's no such thing. Don't pray prayers like that. Pray like, God, like, help me to have an intentional day where I can glorify you and I can see the opportunities that you've set out before me. And then when you go to lunch, pray over your meal. It doesn't have to be some big ordeal where you, like, get on your hands and knees and you, like, hold your food up above you and you're like, blessed are thou these Cheetos or whatever. You can, just, you can just say a quick prayer, thank God for your meal, and then when you leave school and you're on your way home, worship God for, and give him the glory for the things that he showed you that day and the opportunities that he gave you. Because if school is going to be our mission field, we have to treat it like our mission field. And that means there's going to be a cost. It's going to cost you your time. You might have to wake up a little bit earlier. And, oh, I know, we wake up so early for school, and we hate school. But it's, it's the cost. And, and we don't have to. We get to. So we get to wake up earlier, and we get to spend our morning with God before we get to go to school. And then when we get to school, we're praying constantly throughout the day. We're seizing opportunities like we do in Jamaica. When a, a, any random person in Jamaica walks up to us, we're like, oh my gosh, like, hey, have you heard about Jesus? But then when some random person walks up to us in the halls of Fletcher, we're like, um, yeah, hey, okay, yeah, I'm just going to go to class now. And we like avoid them. And so of course, school is in our mission field. We're not treating it like a mission field. There's always a cost when serving is your lifestyle, but the cost of your obedience will always be greater than the cost of your sacrifice. Two, or last week, Pastor Jerry preached on Isaiah 6, and he talked about how Isaiah comes and he experiences God in a way that changes his life forever. And God asks him, who will go on my behalf? And he replies, here I am, send me. And I saw a great example of that last week in the Olympics. One of the, the runners, Abby, for the U.S. track team, she trips over somebody else while running the race, a race that she's trained her entire life for to win a gold medal in, like, the very beginning, trips. That's already devastating. But she doesn't get down on herself, and she doesn't quit. She turns around, and she helps the other person up. Well, then they start running together, and Abby's leg gives out, and she can't run anymore. And so she just sits down, and she's, she's ready to give up. But because she first served the other teammate, 
or arrival or whatever I guess they are in the Olympics, she turns around and helps her up, and she starts coaching her through, saying, come on, you got this. You can finish this race. I know it hurts, but let's go. Let's do it together. And when they get to the end, there's this picture that I saw all over Twitter, all over Instagram, all over the Snapchat news stories for the Rio games, and it was them hugging, and they're just crying, but they're smiling, and there's so much joy on their faces. And the joy on their faces is so much more pure and so much greater than any athlete who won a gold medal this summer. And that's not because of just a simple good act, but because it was done with a purpose. And because the purpose was, I know I'm not going to win this gold medal, I'm not going to be awarded anything, but I'm going to do it for you so that you can say that you finished this race. And so something that Luke Del Judas talked about at the end of North Jacks was, I, I get it now, like when you serve, it, it doesn't have to be like a specific thing. You can do anything, and when you do it for God, it becomes an act of service and an act of worship. So it doesn't matter what you do as your lifestyle for serving. It doesn't matter what the cost is, because if you do it for God, you're already serving. You're already doing what God wants you to do. And so when we go into our schools, and God asks us, who will go on my behalf? And we raise our hands, and we say, here I am, send me. Let me go and serve you today. Find intentional opportunities that I can glorify your name, whether it's with students, teachers, the custodial staff, the cafeteria lady, faculty, whatever it is, I'm going to treat them as greater than me because the cost of my obedience is greater than the cost of whatever I'm sacrificing. So yeah, it might not look cool. And yeah, you might get made fun of by your friends for being best friends with the cafeteria lady. But you've now invested in the cafeteria lady's life, and you might possibly change her eternity. When you go to your homes, whether they're the picture-perfect American family or something that you would call broken and just not even worth it anymore. When God asks you who will go to your homes and on my behalf, and you raise your hand and say, here I am, send me, we intentionally serve our parents with the purpose of showing them God's love by saying, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do things that I know I probably should do, even though you haven't asked me yet, because I'm, I'm going to show you God's love, and I'm going to show you that you loved me, and I love you, so here's my act of service. And, and our siblings who, oh, they get on my nerves so much, trust me. But I'm going to serve them with intentional compliments. I'm going to show them that God loves them and that I love them by the way that I, I speak to them and the way that I treat them, whether I'm in public or behind closed doors. And when God calls us out in the community, and 714 is kind of on the back burner now because, oh God, it's been over a year, like, get your act together, I'm done with this, I've turned off my alarm four times now, and Ryan keeps telling me to turn it back on. And then all of a sudden God says, like, who's going to go on my behalf to the community of Jacksonville? And you feel called to say, here I am, send me. It doesn't mean we go out and we do what a lot of other Christians are doing and we're, and we're showing the world what we're against. The, that, that seems to be all that the world knows about is, is what Christians are against. Why don't we show them what we're for? And what we're for is serving God because he first served us and he first loved us. So it doesn't mean going and pushing religion on people. That's not 714. 714 and revival comes when we live serving as a lifestyle and we recognize that, yeah, there's a cost, but the cost of my obedience is always going to be greater than the cost of my sacrifice. And so something that 
that I read in the book that we're reading for um, Thursday night Bible studies at Angie's is there's a passage that says, pray like it depends on God, work like it depends on you. We're praying, at least some of us are still, for 714 like it depends on God. But we need to start serving and working like it depends on us. We do our serve days and we do like these great outreach events through the church and that's awesome. But what are you doing in your daily life that's intentional for God's purpose that's going to bring about revival in Jacksonville? So we're going to move into two responses now. And the first one, um, I want to start off by saying serving is not what saves you. If you've been here the past three weeks and you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, all you've heard is serve with this kind of heart, own your ministry here, and now serve as a lifestyle. I want to start by saying, first of all, that church is kind of the model of how you serve outside. So if you're not already signed up to serve here in United or in Promised Land or Big Church, but specifically United, then do it. Because you're going to learn what serving is like, and then you can translate it to your own life. But it's not the serving that saves you, and you can do all the good deeds in the world, but if you don't know Jesus, then you're not, then you've done nothing, essentially. If you do it without the love of God, it was for nothing. And so, um, last Sunday, when Ryan and I were kind of talking about my sermon, uh, I felt called to ask to do a salvation invitation. And so, because of that, I'm 100% sure that there's at least one person in here who came in and was already kind of skeptical about this whole Christian thing. And so tonight, if that's you, and you're even thinking a little bit that this Jesus thing might be for you, then this is for you. I, I would like to invite you to say a prayer with me. And that prayer is not magical. The words aren't magical. It's not the block that's magical, and it's not me, certainly, that's magical. It's what you believe in your heart and what you confess with your mouth. So if you think that you would like to take that step, the most important decision you'd ever make in your life, and accept the first step of service, which is being served by God, then we're going to close our eyes, and we're going to bow our heads, and we're going to say this prayer together. Dear God, thank you so much for loving me, even though I don't always love you. I know that I've sinned, and I know that that separates me from you. But God, I also know that you sent your son, and you sent your son to live a perfect life and to die for my sins. God, thank you for sending your son. In your name we pray, amen. If that was you tonight, I don't want you to leave without telling someone. I'm not going to make you raise your hand. I'm not going to make you come up here or do anything weird. But Christian and Trip are going to be in the back. And they're going to they're gonna want to meet you. And if you don't want to go back there and make a scene, talk to an adult at least. But Christian and Trip want to get your name, phone number, and what school you go to so they can pair you with someone who's going to help you on this walk and encourage you in the most important decision you've made in your life. So please don't leave without doing that if that was you tonight. And for the rest of us who have already experienced the moment that Isaiah experienced where we've come face-to-face with God and we've accepted him as our Savior, He's asking us the same question, and he's saying, who will go on my behalf? And so tonight, if you feel called to offer your life as an act of service, fully knowing that there's a cost, and fully knowing that your obedience is going to always be greater than the act of your sacrifice, 
then Cole, Ryan, and I are going to be up here on the stage, and we're going to just pray for you. Because we can't do this alone, and we certainly can't pretend like our mission trip experience is going to carry us through the end of the year. So if you feel called to commit your life to serving, and serving is going to be your lifestyle, then I encourage you to come and pray, whether it's with your small group or whether it's Ryan and I, and we're just going to pray encouragement over you. And we're going to pray boldness over you so that you can go and you can say, here I am, send me wherever God leads you. So as the band comes back up, which they're already doing, and they um, play these last couple songs, respond as you feel necessary, and we're just going to close with a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for these students. I pray that they would find even a little bit in them that says, God, I want serving to be my lifestyle. I would rather serve you than serve myself. I pray that these students would go to their schools, go to their homes, and go into the community and not just be Christians, God, but that they would be little Christ and they would serve you and they would show people what it means to be changed by God because what good is serving ourselves when we could serve the God who is perfect and good? In your name we pray, amen.